Hi, this is Jamie. And this is Heather, and welcome to Using Our Inside Voice, a podcast where we awaken to the extraordinary meaning of everyday mundane life by passing it through a particle collider of different and differing perspectives. Today, we're using our inside voice to talk about transformation and how, as we re-experience the process, the process itself transforms. Deep, I know. Right? (laughs) It sounds so mysterious. It feels mysterious. It does feel mysterious, right? It feels mysterious every single time. I mean, it always, the process is always the same on the surface. Like on the primary level, uh, the surface level that you're experiencing the process, it's the same. First, you kind of get, you know, when you've been conscious of it for a while, you kind of get a heads up that shit's about to go. And you're like, oh, I feel so, it starts out with, I feel so solid. I feel so secure. I feel so grounded. That is your cue. That something is about to wipe you. And then something comes in and all of a sudden the fear narratives start and Jamie's giving me a weird finger signal that I can't figure out. Look, look at your, look at your screen, your notes. I mean, at this Uh, point, I guess I could have just told you. Your volume's a little low, that's all. You could have, yeah. Okay. There you go. Are we better now? Okay, we're better now. Okay. So then, um, so shit starts to happen and, uh, you get taken down emotionally and you find yourself spiraling into all your fears and then catastrophizing on top of the spiral, which makes it so much worse. And if you've been doing it a while, you may have developed the skill of being able to talk yourself through it and saying, okay, you've been through this before. A, you know it's temporary. B, stop telling the stories on top of the stories and just let everything unfold and try to be open to listening to your guides. This is already transformative for me because when there was a time when I didn't even know what was happening. It was just kind of blanket labeled as depression. Right. I didn't even know that there was a transformation taking. I just felt shitty and and I didn't know why. And, and, and before that even, it, it brought with it the question of, am I sick? Do I need drugs? Do I need to, am I chemically imbalanced? Is this just how I am in this life and I need to go have medicine to fix it? You know, so I've come a long way in terms of how I interpret what's happening to me to the point where I'm able to say to myself, I, I can't, I don't have the bandwidth to explain what's going on with me. I don't have the bandwidth to talk to people about it. I feel like I'm barely holding on by my fingernails. <laughs> All I can do is just be silent and still. I have to be silent and still while I work through whatever this is that I'm working through. And on top of that, you then notice that, all right, these physical manifestations in my world are reflective of what it is I am working through. They are not the thing that I'm working through. They are representations of the thing that I'm working through. The thing that you're working through is whatever stories are behind. Yeah, it's whatever stories, whatever narratives are coming up for you. And then they manifest in your physical world to give you that extra level of connection to them, which none of us want (laughs) because it just feels horrible. And this is how the process of transformation has started to evolve for me. And it's, it's really interesting that several of the things that you mentioned, because you mentioned, you know, b- before you were in a, able to get yourself into a state of awareness to where you knew to kind of slow down, be quiet, be still, and start observing 
you had all of these other questions that that used to come up for you and and the immediate kind of oh this is depression um you know what do i need to do for it do do i need to go to a therapist do i need to talk to somebody do i need to talk to a friend about it do i need to try to like put it into words do i need medication do i have a chemical imbalance and the interesting part of that is you know depending on who you are and at what stage you're in all of those things can be true even if you're the type of individual who you know may not want to turn to something like um a medication or or some sort of treatment like that you know talking about things like chemical imbalances it's a very real thing that when when we have um you know things like this that we're going through there are very physical changes that are happening there are things that are triggered on a physical level especially because of that kind of story that we're sitting in at the moment. That's kind of what we've been talking about the last several episodes, talking about, um, you know, that kind of neural space and the, and the roadmaps that are in our brains. They're, they are showing the body pathways to deal with the issue as they understand them at that moment. And so, yes, that can cause things like chemical imbalances and other physical issues to come up, you know, getting sick and having a lower immunity and, you know, finding tightness in your joints and all of these other things kind of combined. So depending on on what stage of the process of the journey that you're in at the moment, there could be, you know, you could need different things at different parts of the process. And I think that's a thing to really be aware of and to be mindful of is as we move through the journey, that's going to continue to shift and change. And where at one time we may have needed one thing to help get us through as we continue to move through it and work through kind of shifting that story, it's also quite possible that the way we help ourselves will shift and change. Maybe we need to talk to someone new. Maybe we can let go of a certain method for coping and find something that's even maybe a little healthier for us. Or maybe we notice that we're not getting triggered as much and can, you know, move through in a different way or move through with a different process. So I think that's a really thing, a really good thing to be mindful of as we're doing it, because you've definitely gotten to a place now where you know i the the spiral might be instantaneous and it might be harsh at first but it seems like you're able to navigate that in a way and kind of surf it out in a way that's uh a lot different than before yeah i mean before i think i would have stayed in the spiral for months at a time and before that, maybe even longer. I, I don't know. It felt it always feels longer than it actually is. But it always feels when you head into that dark place, it always feels like it's going to last forever. It feels permanent. And that's the fear. And that's really where the work begins in terms of learning how to surf these these darker times is realizing that the first story that takes you down deeper is the fear that it's going to last forever. It's not going to last forever. In fact, 
I can guarantee you it will not last forever. It can't last forever. Nothing can last forever. Everything is ever-changing. Everything is growing and evolving. Even in our most resistant times, Mm -hmm. everything is changing. Even the process of change is changing. (laughs) (laughs) So if you can begin by when you feel yourself plummeting into the dark and gasping for air and you maybe you feel like you're drowning or you feel like you're constricted or corseted or being squeezed, if you can change the story of, oh my God, how long is this going to last? Is it going to be a long time? Is it going to be forever? To it can't last forever. It's literally impossible for it to last forever. It has to ebb and flow. That's nature. You are natural. You can't go against nature. Well, it's it's nature and it is the nature of your higher self, which there there is a version of you <laughs> that's in there that is like, yeah, I know this sucks mm-hmm. and we're doing the best we can right now and that's okay. And I'm supporting you in it. And I know that you're coming out the other side. And I know but, that the, but you, it's hard to tell yourself that in, in the moment. Yeah. You're not going to connect with that right away, but just kind of having, allowing yourself a little bit of room, even, even it's a teensy weensy weensy bit of room of thinking, okay, somewhere there is a version of me that has a bigger picture in mind. And I'm going to get a glimpse of that at some point in time and kind of relaxing, you know, maybe using that as a springboard to relax a little bit and go, okay, like I can't make sense of it right now, but something's going to pop up and then I'll be able to, you know, just calm down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because I think for me, I freak out. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like that's, I, mean- I, I, I go full tilt panic button. Usually, usually mm-hmm. that's been my pattern. Now I've, I've come out of that a lot and maybe it doesn't get triggered as fast and maybe it doesn't get triggered for as long, but that's, you know, I can say this because that's my usual, that's my usual gig. That's, that's how I usually pick that up. You know, the energy comes in, it's very intense. I get overwhelmed. The panic button starts and I'm at a point now where I can go, okay, but I, I recognize this. This is normal for me as much as it can be normal but i also know that there's a portion of me that understands that this is not going to last forever it's you know we'll get through it and i will be able to connect with something bigger than what i'm seeing right now Mm -hmm. but i think that there are a lot of people who haven't even gotten to that place where they've Mm -hmm. heard that voice where they've connected with that part of them i think that there are people out there that are still very much struggling with just the human experience, the the one that we've been handed throughout our lifetimes. The the external they're so wrapped up in their external experience that they haven't even done any connective work to their internal experience. And so when they're when their other parts of themselves are trying to be noticed, it comes through as very overwhelming and it makes it more difficult to trust and to listen to those parts. Um So I think it's important to know that even if you can't connect with another part of you yet, right now, know that that's temporary. It'll change as you grow and evolve. But know that just by virtue of how our world is assembled, just by virtue of how our world works, if you are feeling in the depths of despair, (laughs) as Anne would say, Anne of Green Gables, Mm -hmm. if you are feeling that it is temporary and just 
stay the course. You're okay. You're okay. But for the people who have managed to connect with other portions of themselves that hold higher perspectives, then the trick becomes temperance. When that flood of panic and fear starts to overwhelm you, temperance is the thing that has been. And it's so funny because, you know, when I first connected with the word temperance, (laughs) I, I didn't even really understand what it meant. And I had to go look it up like several times for it to make landfall. And I was talking to a friend the other day about something she was going through. And I used the word temperance and she looked at me sort of funny. And she's like, what does that even mean? What does temperance mean? And I was like, wow, really? Wow. Okay. You know what? I didn't know really what it meant either. And it means to temper something means to, you know, make it stronger by adding in other differing things. You know, when they temper steel, they're tempering it with temperature and they're adding in different metals and they're cooling it down and then they're bringing it back up to temperature and they're cooling it down and it makes the steel stronger. And that's what we have to do for ourselves emotionally and spiritually. We have to temper these narratives that we have that live inside us that make us terrified. And we have to be brave enough. It's, it feels like a risk. It is a risk because if you're wrong, you risk being very sad about it and feeling worse. But I've never been wrong. Every time I've taken that risk, it is paid off. I don't recall a time ever when I have tempered a fear narrative and it hasn't worked in my favor. (laughs) The reason that we cling to our fear narratives is because we feel like if we can preempt the horrible thing that might happen to us, we will somehow manage it better when it occurs. But the truth of the matter is, is that we won't. And in fact, we will be more compromised mentally and emotionally to try to handle it. And so when you temper those narratives as they come in, like, oh my God, I'm going to, I'm going to waste all my money on this thing. And then I'm going to have no money and I don't know how I'm going to pay my rent. You spiral out of control. Try to temper that before it even, first of all, don't let it spiral. As soon as you feel it spiraling, say, all right, I hear that. But right now I'm in this room. There's a roof over my head. I am comfortable. I am safe. In this moment, I am fine. And I'm going to stay in this moment. And then use that moment to plan your next moment and stay in that moment. And just if you can work on becoming super present, as cliche as that sounds, it helps when you're in those spirals because the spirals are really the worst. And I've been in a spiral. Well, no, that's not exactly true. I have been in a space that would have been a spiral, maybe even last year. If I had experienced the same thing I've been experiencing, it probably would have been a spiral. But I didn't spiral. I sort of went to the bottom of the tank (laughs) and I floated there feeling like I was under incredible pressure, but I never lost my mind. I never lost my faculties. I never lost myself to, to the fear. I was able to stay in touch with my guides, at least to a certain extent. And that's another thing that comes through when you're having these dark moments. You feel abandoned by your guides but they aren't abandoning you. Two things are happening. One thing, when you are in a dark place, you feel like you're under so much pressure that you can't connect to your guides because you're preoccupied by all the fear. You can't pay attention to everything at once and something has to be sacrificed. And when you are in, you know, save yourself mode, that your connection to your guides is usually what is sacrificed even though you don't want it to. 
And secondly, what happens is sometimes you have to go through things and, and you've requested to go through things, experiences from a higher perspective. You've requested to have these experiences and your guides have to allow you to have them. And there are times when they cannot navigate with you. They have to allow you to experience it before they come in and offer you what you need maybe to catalyze a new perspective. So those are two of the things that I've been experiencing lately. I never felt it. This is maybe one of the first times that I've, I've, I never felt abandoned by my guides, by my team. I felt like it, they weren't doing me much good <laughs> because I was in such a horrible place, but I never felt abandoned. And that was something of a relief for sure. Well, and, and personally, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that you did allow yourself the space and the grace to go to that liminal space instead mm. of being super reactive right away. There might have been some reactiveness, mm. but a lot of the time that's that it's it's part of the it's part of the learning how to stretch time and to release time and the the story of time is kind of putting you in these situations where normally the reactionary you is going to go, I, I have to fix that. I have to fix this because there's, there's a clock ticking and I only have so much time to take care of this thing before it swallows me up. And so mm -hmm. you're, you're so in that reactive space that you're, you're basically only administering triage at that point. You're putting band-aids over things that, that need to have surgery <laughs> and, you know, be removed in, in a much more permanent way. So when you're able to sit in that more liminal space, you know, slow yourself down, slow your reactions down and just go, okay, but if I stop and I take a look around, still a roof over my head, I'm not starving, you know, things are actually okay in this moment. I'm okay. My perception is that I'm not going to be okay. And that's what's causing the panic. But that's in mm -hmm. the future. The future is not dictated. I get to choose where where that goes. And a lot of that has to do with where my energy goes. And if I am choosing not to direct my energy towards being super reactive right now, and just to sit in this space, then I am more present. And then... I get to play with time. That liminal space is actually invaluable because that's our playground. That's where we get to go, okay, if I'm not reactive and I want to look at all the options here, what, what happens if I do plan B? What happens if I decide that I'm going to go ahead and get that thing that I'm kind of feeling urged to buy, even though it's expensive and I don't feel like I can afford it. And I feel like I'm going to be broke next week and I won't pay my rent, blah, 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 blah. What if, what if I do decide to get that? What if that thing opens another door for me? What if that opens up uh, an additional source of income for me? What if that opens the door for a new opportunity? And you kind of get to play with those different scenarios a little bit and try them on and see how it would feel if something different than what the panic is triggering. You know, if, if I try something different, how would I feel about that instead? What would that look like? What could that potential path be? And you don't have to get mired down in it, but that, that liminal space is actually a cool place 
to play. Well, and it becomes a lot cooler if you realize it's a place where you're supposed to play. Mm-hmm. Because it, when you when you go into it, it feels like a place you you shouldn't be. It feels like a place that is telling you something's wrong with you. It feels heavy. It feels all yeah. the things that you don't want to feel. That's how it feels. But it feels that way because we have all of these stories. And so that place is a playground that you're meant to play with those stories and transmute those stories. You're the only one who can. And I don't think a lot of people out there realize that they are not only allowed to, but supposed to. I don't think they've ever heard anyone give them permission to change the external expectations that are heaped on us by society, by our families, by relationships of any kind, by work on a daily basis. That's That's the place, the liminal space is a place where time stretches. That's why it always, you can never tell how long you were in that depression (laughs) because Mm -hmm. the liminal space is a place where time stretches because your experience of time is really what dictates time. You think it's the, the hands on a clock, but the hands on a clock are secondary to your experience of whether time is moving quickly or slowly. We know this because when we're having a good time, time flies. And when we're having a horrible time, it's like every second that you can hear the clock ticking, you just want to stab your eye out. (laughs) So it really is about your experience. And that is one of the baby steps towards realizing what it feels like to be empowered. And quite honestly, self-empowerment, though it sounds like an incredible, amazing gift that who wouldn't want to be empowered, who wouldn't want to feel empowered all the time, it's actually quite scary when you first start toying with the idea of empowerment because it's something that most of us have not experienced before and it requires a lot more of you than what your life required of you before because you were you were shaking hands with a whole bunch of systems that said we'll take care of this for you if you give us all of your resources And it was easy. It was easy to dump your resources into those systems and say, good, now do the thing you're supposed to do and take care of this for me. And the road to empowerment is the exact opposite, where it's take your own resources and use them for yourself outside of those systems first. And so there's a lot more accountability and there's a lot more responsibility. And if something appears like it isn't working out, you can't blame it on anyone else because you've made the choice. And that feels like a huge risk to people. But it's it's so necessary, you know. It's it's hard yeah. when we're when we're younger. We're kind of we're we're taught a type of codependence, and it's hard to break free from that. It's it's hard to start imagining a space, especially if you're a person who has a hard time speaking up for themselves or voicing your your wants um, and your needs, even maybe to yourself. It's hard to all of a sudden come into a space where you can say, I'm a powerful being. I have a millennia worth of knowledge stored inside me. And I have all of these different scenarios that I have lived through and experienced. And, you know, I I actually know more than I give myself credit for. I've experienced more than I give myself credit for. I've made it through more situations than I give myself credit for. Because it's easy when, when you have somebody making all the decisions for you. You know, when you're a kid, your, your parent tells you what you're going to wear. 
how you're going to do your hair. They buy their clothes for you. You know, you, they pick what you're having for dinner. It's, it's like, okay, you just ride along with it. And then you learn to just ride along with all the things and not go, well, I don't, I don't think I want to do that today. I don't think I want to wear that today. I think I'd like to have this instead. You know, that's not really my favorite food. I would prefer this instead. We don't get an opportunity to start making those kinds of choices and challenging those old things until we get older and we're already in a space where that that pattern is kind of solidified. So then we double, we kind of have to double check and, and we second guess ourselves, you know, oh, do I like that? Is that okay? Would it be okay if I went out like that? I like this, but is everybody else going to like that? Is somebody going to call me out for, you know, for looking like a dork if I wear this? You know, what if I sit at a table and I have this thing to eat and everybody thinks it's gross? There's all these weird things that pop into your head that they're just all stories and none of it really matters. But when you get to that space where you're like, hmm, I do have opinions of my own and I do have my own experiences. And I think I would rather pull from that instead of what I have been taught to immediately default to, you know, yes, it very definitely bypasses that. Well, before I could have just blamed it on, I could have blamed it on my parents, I could have blamed it on society, I could have blamed it on all of the horrible things that happened to me as a child. And that definitely all fits into why we react the way that we do. But we also have the ability to go, you know, I'm, let's just, just try it. Let's just do what feels right and see where we go. And if it doesn't work out, then it doesn't work out. And there's really nothing to blame you for if it doesn't work out. If it doesn't work out, what you learned is that that thing didn't work out and you move on to something new and you take the experience that you had and you mold that into something different. Right. Well, I Which think that we're, <laughs> it's absolutely necessary. It's the only way that you're going to grow. And, you know, when you're little, I heard a lot that you can't learn if you don't make mistakes. Making mistakes is, is part of growing. It's part of learning. But there was a lot of punishment also for mistakes. And it sent conflicting signals. And so I think that part of the journey of learning to really work in that liminal space, in that space of I feel threatened, but I'm going to stay here and be uncomfortable and I'm going to face it and see what it has to teach me. In order to get to that point, you first have to start deciding to dispel the conflicting signals. You have to start unifying your own signal. You have to reclaim your own beliefs. Yes, when you were little, it is very possible that you were told that you shouldn't be afraid to make mistakes. And yet, Yes, you did have the experiences where it felt like punishment when you did make mistakes. For instance, when the teacher would call you out in front of class to do a math problem on the board and you couldn't do it, nothing was more mortifying than feeling stupid in front of a classroom of people, you know? And that was, that was, it felt like a punishment. Well, and for us both, with that specifically, I think we both came to a place where we were like, that's it. We suck at math. We're horrible at math. We don't math. (laughs) Yeah, I absolutely did. I don't whether or not that's actually the truth or not. I mean, to be honest, and I love this, I have, there's a good friend of mine that I've had since I was a teenager who is brilliant. He's an absolute bona fide genius. He is fantastic at math. He maths better than 
anyone else I know. And he's an immunologist. He has a PhD. And when I went to visit him, uh, he was he was off of he took a vacation from from work, which was in a lab for the school for about a week. And he was everybody's go to like math wizard. Like I can't get my shit to check. <laughs> like, how am I supposed to like, what am I doing wrong? Why, where, where are my equations off? And he was getting phone calls like every five minutes. And I would just sit there and I'd listen to him and I'd look at him, you know, and my eyes would kind of cross. And I'm like, I, I, it's like, look, I could not be farther from understanding anything that just came out of your mouth like you might as well be speaking the most foreign of foreign languages right now because i i really don't understand and he looked at me and he went you just had you just didn't have good teachers yeah he's like you just didn't this quite simply you just did not have good teachers i could teach you math and mm -hmm. i didn't believe him i didn't trust him he was like you're an intelligent person you're a highly intelligent person there is no reason why you cannot understand math you just yeah. need someone to teach it to you in a way that makes sense to you and i think that was his superpower is that he was able to no matter who asked him take what he knew and explain it in a way that worked for them and you know i wish it i wished I wish now that I had listened to him then instead of fighting it for so long. Um, are there parts of it that are difficult? Are there parts of it that I'm like, mm, I would rather not. Of course. Like is math, <laughs> did math ever become my favorite thing? Hell no. No, I still use my fingers and toes. I'm going to be real honest. Like <laughs> I still had to go. Uh, okay. Um, but he had a really good point that, our capacity is so much greater than what we believe it is for pretty much anything. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, really, when it really, came to, honestly, anything. When it came to my math stuff, I knew very early on it wasn't math. I knew it wasn't math. It became math mm -hmm. because math became the umbrella under which all of the uncomfortable fell at that time. But I knew that what I was saying in, in reality was I may or may not be good at this, but we're not going to find out because teacher who was teaching me, I don't want to have this relationship with you. I don't feel comfortable being the kind of vulnerable that requires me to learn math with you. And I was very aware that it was not me, but it. I was also aware that it looked like it was me. <laughs> the outcomes were the same. I wasn't doing the thing and then I was failing the thing and then I had all of I had to suffer all of the shame of failing the thing. But it was me saying, "I don't trust you adult and I'm not going to give my I'm not going to sit here in your class and listen to you because you don't see me, you don't hear me and you don't respect me." But how awesome is it that math became a thing for both of us that we can look back on now? And say all of these things about like it became a really yeah. beautiful, simple example. Mm -hmm. And, you know, honestly, maybe it was math for that reason. And we both had a very similar experience. So it was easy for us to connect with that particular example mm -hmm. and then fall back on it and use it in a way where other people can relate. Right. Because certainly we are not the only people who feel like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think that this is also once again a a great example of what of what that shadow work 
mm-hmm. looks like of yeah. of the process going through it. It's just it is so that you can look back on those examples and once you remove the fear that was attached to all of the emotions that came with experiencing that, once you are able to set those emotions aside and say, yes, you had those emotions, but what was really going on? What was really going on? You felt failed by your leader, by your guide, and you did not yet have enough information on your own to be your own leader or guide. And it made you feel vulnerable and exposed. And then it made you feel abused because it, it that the leader who didn't understand that they weren't able to lead you properly was constantly making an example out of it in front of people. But that's where the work starts. That's where, you know, that story is going to come back over and over and over and over and over again. And at first, you're going to think it's a different story every time. <laughs> every time it comes up, it's going to look different to you because it will have been catalyzed by a different thing or it will have taken place in a different era of your life that you won't even maybe remember the initial place that that story started or it will happen at a different time. You will be focused on relating different things to whatever is happening to, happening to you in that moment. But I guarantee you that whenever you hit a, uh, a spot of black ice <laughs> and you suddenly feel like you're spinning out of control and you're breathing heavy and oh my God, and you're panicking, the black ice is always the same. Mm-hmm. It's always, I feel out of control. I feel disempowered. I feel unseen. I feel unheard. These narratives are overarching for all of us. And it doesn't matter what catalyzed them. The point is they were catalyzed. And if they're being catalyzed, then that is our opportunity to head into the very uncomfortable liminal space that we've been talking about, except that we are in that space. And while we're in that space, instead of constantly fighting being in the space, accepting that we're in the space. Can I say the space one more time? The space. Anyway, um, it's just very important to start turning around your narratives there. Whenever you feel like you want to fight something, like you're going to die if you don't fight this thing that's happening to you. I invite you to not fight. Surrender instead. Observe observe, most importantly, observe. Absolutely. Because I I think a lot of people interpret surrender as just let it happen to you, just be the victim. And that's not what surrender yourself over to it. And it's like, well, yes, and no, you know, take, take the opportunity to, to take your power back in the situation in a different way. And that Mm -hmm. can be by observing, you know, just realize that it's not actually touching you. Your it might is be not actually on the hot stove. <laughs> you know, the the finger in your face might be a quarter of an inch away from your nose. It feels very much present. It feels very much like a threat, but it's not actually touching. Mm-hmm. You are in actuality, in your physical reality at this point in time, still okay. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you have to remind yourself that, every couple seconds at first, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm still okay. I'm still breathing. I'm still here. I'm still fine. If that needs to be your process at first, then let that be your process until it doesn't need to be your process anymore. Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid to let that process shift and change just as much as the things that are coming up shift and change. And I think the, the other thing that's been coming up for me, which has been really interesting, because when we were sitting down to kind of you know, discuss what the discussion was going to be as we normally do. I was kind of telling Heather, you know, it's, it's interesting because although I can relate 
in many ways to a lot of the things that you have brought up and it's all very timely uh it's been thrown at me in pretty much every type of way imaginable and and i couldn't even begin to to start to run through the list of all of the different things that have been going on that have triggered kind of all back to the same thing like this morning you know i, I did a regular post on instagram um based on the art that heather had sent me and then i pulled a card from one of the oracle decks because i'm like how how am i going to take all of these different things that have been coming up and bubbling up and i mean they are wildly different um just every subject under the sun and i'm like how how can how are I you going to unify it yeah. yeah how am i going to unify it and the card that came up was a really cool card from a deck called uh magic of you oracle by fiona horn um and i like the little tagline is unlock your hidden truth for this deck and it's it's really cool but the card that i got basically said transform the way you see and that is definitely the lesson that has been if 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 i had to you know pick out that unifying thread that is definitely it but um one of the things that came through for me that coincides with that is looking at all of the different lessons that i've had over the years all of the different types of things that i've had this kind of very reactive very triggered feeling towards and then instead of just you know looking at all the different layers of the different times in the spiral where that has bubbled back up for me and the different forms that it has taken and the different directions it has moved me through on on the path of healing that and and really looking closely at how my perspective has shifted how my reality concerning that that particular thing has shifted how my interpretation of that has shifted and how i've incorporated been able to incorporate different points of view different moments along my timeline and instead of just switching out one thing for another stretching that to see all of the different possibilities and all of the different ways that that thing connects to me and opening up my view to where it includes all of those things instead of just shifting one thing for another because i noticed that you know when you first start working on an issue like it feels very it might feel very cut and dry for example you know i'm i'm a really quiet person i kind of don't tend to speak up for myself uh i don't really feel like i have a voice and um you know i i that's obviously an issue for me it's something that i need to work on it's something that i want to work on and you start working on that and maybe the the initial the initial breakthrough is i am a powerful being right i do have a voice yeah i do want to speak out rawr you know and you <laughs> kind of move forward in this very kind of forceful very opposite from the energy that you may have held before it's a rebellion it's a rebellion and then maybe the next time it comes up maybe maybe that attitude starts to bite you in the ass a little bit maybe it gets you in a little bit of you know quote unquote trouble maybe you say a thing that's maybe not the best way to handle a situation or 
you kind of over talk yourself or you kind of start to spin it in another direction, which is not a healthy direction either. And so then you kind of roll back around and you're like, okay, well, what's the midway between this and that? And that's the temperance. And that's that I was the temperance. talking about. Yeah. You know, and so again, linking that back to finding the temperance in that situation, like um, one of the things that uh, has come up recently is, again, is looking at um, all the different ways that different beliefs that I have held over the years have kind of managed to coalesce into this very interesting palette of, of very far reaching from, you know, different paths from all over the world and how that has kind of coalesced and something really cool that I'm actually, um, you know, really happy with because it does, it continues to evolve and adjust a little bit. And every time I'm able to revisit one of those kind of earlier beliefs and see how it's fitting into my life now, it's interesting to see how far it's come to see how, how much wider the scope of that thing is and how it fits with all of the other little pieces. Um, we started watching a, uh, it's one of the Josh Gates shows. There's, there's like the Expedition X. There's Expedition X, but there's also been, there's another Expedition one. Unknown, Destination Truth. Yeah, they're so like D all of the above. We've we've <laughs> been diving into a lot of those, but there's mm -hmm. there's something very specific that he's doing currently, and I can't remember which one it is, but it's like an offshoot. Oh, that's Expedition X. Uh, no, he's doing mm -hmm. one that is specifically on the um uh, the Society of Explorers. I can't remember exactly how how it's phrased but anyway if you have discovery plus search josh gates you'll find it um and we'll try to been, put it in the insights yeah but i we've been diving into that and i have a very unique relationship with biblical stories because i grew up in a very religious household i rebelled against it for a very long time and then it started creeping back into my life in very odd ways that at first I was very uncomfortable with because I had certain memories tied to certain things. And then I had the triggers of childhood kind of, you know, tapping on my shoulder and going, yeah, but when you investigated this before, this is what you were met with. You were told that you couldn't ask questions and that you were, you know, horrible for asking questions and, you know, how dare you question, you know, anything in this realm but i always found it so intensely interesting and some of the um some of the shows lately uh that we've kind of been diving into from josh was him investigating some very interesting biblical things and trying to learn okay well what could be possible and this isn't the first show like that that i've watched like that that has divin it has been diving into that particular subject um, there's another archaeologist. Uh, he goes by the naked archaeologist. His name is Simka. His first name is Simka. I cannot remember his last name. But I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah, he's he's done. I've sent you things of his before. He's done some really uh, interesting explanations too, where they're actually looking at biblical situations and and saying, do we have any um, historical things that we can point to to like say that this very well could have happened and 
where would it have happened exactly and when would it have happened exactly and what was the situation at the time and how did we perceive it versus what does history actually tell us about what was going on mm-hmm. and so the one that he looked at that we were specifically diving into was about moses and the story of moses and of uh you know all of the amazing crazy things that happened within that story like the creation of the tablets and the ten commandments and the burning bush and the you know wandering the the desert for 40 years and parting the red sea and and the the locusts and you know all of the other curses and how how does that actually like could any of those things actually happen is that a timeline that actually happened can we find anything anywhere that actually points to any of these things to so that we can explore them in that way and they did and it was very interesting because one of the things that they found um there's been several discoveries in 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 and around Egypt in the past few years where they have found um, just a lot of history in general that's been buried for an incredibly long time. I mean, you're in the desert. It's look how long it took them to find the the Sphinx and the, the Great Period and and pyramid the and great. like I'm talking fast, so it's throwing me. But you know, you get what I mean. Like yeah. this huge picture of of things that we uncovered in in, an, in a relatively short period of time, not that long ago when you look at the grand scope of so now we're starting to uncover another batch of things and what they found was first of all yes some of those things could have very well taken place but the timeline's off by about 150 to 200 years from when they thought it happened according to the bible and so things like uh like everybody thought it was you know oh this this must have been ramsey's at the time that was, you know, kicking down all these edicts and, and, you know, this would have been the big bad. No, not the big bad. You have to look back a little bit further and then you see things start to match, to match up like, oh, there was a mass exodus of these people across the desert at this time. There was someone in power that maybe people did not have super fond feelings about and who maybe passed down some edicts that were not fantastic at this time. And one of the most interesting things that they found is in, according to um, like the, the curses specifically, that there was uh, something going on biologically or ecologically. There was a, a volcano that had erupted not too far away from where a lot of these things had happened and the darkness that came over everything could have very possibly been a volcanic cloud that also kind of intermixed with a lot of things ecologically. And there was a particular red algae that formed and that caused a dying off of certain species, but an overabundance of other species like locusts and caused, you know, different diseases to uptick and things like that. They're like, Oh, that is a very real, you know, if we, if we want something like that to look at, that could have very possibly happened and not so much of a fantastical mystical, I'm putting the whammy on you sort of a way, but uh, we just don't understand how shit works yet. And because of this thing that happened over here, 
now things are affecting us here. And it was really interesting to kind of see that play out and to have that additional information to now feed into that narrative to go, okay, so I don't have to see this as all a load of crap, which was something that I felt as a child, it's like, okay, well, not all of it is crap, but there are definitely some things that are not quite right that don't add up. And that was my kid brain was always going, mm, yes, but no, or yes, and or no, that's a flat out no, but this, this over here, this makes sense, this tracks. So it's always interesting now to go back and see certain things that are coming up or seeing things that have found a way to kind of weave back into my daily life that I can look at and go, I don't have to hate it. You know, I don't have to oppose it 1000%. I can take and reconstruct what I learned as a child, but now add in all of this new information that I have as an adult and pair that with other things that I've learned, other traditions that I've learned and have taken into account and see how they all intermingle together and to see how they coalesce now. Things that would have never made sense to put together before are now all of a sudden starting to make sense and go, that really can be a piece of this big puzzle that really can fit but in a I completely argue, different way well that's the thing is that i argue that that everything is a piece of the puzzle there mm -hmm. is nothing that is not a piece of the puzzle the question is how is it a piece of your puzzle mm -hmm. and that's what this evolution is really about it's about turning away from the rhetoric that was pushed down our throats and instead of denying everything we've been taught learning to claim it in a way that fits us. And so for instance, like you were talking about the curses and could this stuff have really happened? Well, in order for it to have been written, it likely did happen. The question is how, when, where, and how was the story knitted together later on? Because that's how stories are formed. They're formed in hindsight. <laughs> you know? I'm not, I would never claim that the Bible is a, a fairy tale. I would claim that the Bible is an, a collection of anecdotes. And when it was put down on paper, that's when the timeline started for the Bible. But that's not necessarily where the timeline started for the actual events. Mm -hmm. And I would also argue that when it comes to miracles and things like that, there has to be some way to manifest it in our world. And we have this built-in idea, especially if we've, we were um, religiously guided in our formative years. We have this idea that miracles are outside of the realm of nature. They are beyond. And that's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> they are if in concert with nature, 1000%. Well, they have they have to be in order to manifest something like that, that you know, there would have to be something that causes it. And it makes sense that if a volcano had erupted, they wouldn't have known about that and that it would have caused certain things that seemed incredibly out of place for those people. Were they wrong to think it was a message? No, the message has to come through somehow. Mm -hmm. If they are interpreting it as a message, then that's what they're meant to do because this whole experience of life is nothing but a story. This whole thing is an illusion. 
Mm-hmm. And yet this whole thing is real because reality is an illusion. It's it's a snake eating its tail. There's no, you cannot separate, did this or did this not happen? If people have a memory of it happening, it happened for them. Mm-hmm. That doesn't necessarily mean that it affected you in a way that makes it real enough for you to give energy to it happening for you. I don't know if that made sense. I kind of zoned out on my own words there, but- I get what you're saying. Yeah. yeah, my 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 point being, and you pretty much summed it up that you know it. We tend to want everything to be either black or white. You know, we don't want to accept all the time that there is a space where both things can coexist, and that it's okay for them to coexist mm-hmm. because our nature is you're on this side or you are on this side pick Mm -hmm. one right and it's like well how about this and instead of this or that right and that ties into the other theme that's been coming through a lot of compassion Mm -hmm. that's that's the the fulcrum for compassion it's not this or that it is this and that if someone has had an experience and they've interpreted in some way it's real for them And it causes them to behave in ways that perhaps you or someone else might think is disgusting or incredibly wrong or how could you, how dare you. It creates judgment. But you have to remember that in order to be here on this planet, we have incarnated to a certain frequency. We have to hold a certain frequency just to be embodied in this dimension. So when we start seeing people behave in ways that we don't understand or that we feel threaten us in some way, you have to bring it back to a place of compassion and understand that if that person is behaving that way, something had to cause it. How sad that that person has experienced something that has made behavior that we would, for the most part, consider maybe depraved or incorrect or however you want to put it. They've experienced something that's made that behavior okay to display in their world. And just arguing with them over it, not going to help. Denying it, not going to help. Yeah. Locking them up, not going to help. How can we help? Until we start to shift our perspective to one of, I'm so sorry you had to experience neglect. I'm so sorry you had to experience poverty. I'm so sorry you had to experience pathological liars. You know, whatever made them behave in the way that they're behaving, it didn't just happen because it happened. There was a cause, and that cause is a sign of damage. Damage to the psyche, damage to the emotional body, damage to the spiritual body, whatever you want to categorize it as. There was damage first. Having compassion for someone does not mean condoning their behavior. The two are not mutually exclusive. There are behaviors that you can absolutely not condone and you cannot have an understanding of how anyone could do it. However, what you can start with in order to have compassion is to have an understanding that something caused it. Instead of just jumping to the conclusion that, oh, that person's evil and that because only an evil person could do those things. That's so basic (laughs) and it's so detrimental to the collective to think that way. It's what keeps us in separation and it's what's keeping all of the old systems from being dismantled. And it keeps us from healing ourselves. I mean, yeah, you'll often hear people say that forgiveness is for yourself, not for that other individual. And it is mm-hmm. very true. You have to be able to to heal it for yourself before you can 
catch that level of understanding. And that is part of it, you know, Mm -hmm. for someone else is, can I heal that portion of me that doesn't want to hold compassion Mm -hmm. for that? Can I make space for that kind of, you know, for that level of love just for the experience? Mm -hmm. Because it is part of the experience. Like one of the other things that I have heard and I often say is, you know, somebody had to sign up to be the villain in your story. Mm. If if we had no one challenging us, if we had no horrible thing ever happened to us, if we had no experience where we hadn't felt wronged or abandoned or abused, um, we wouldn't have the we wouldn't have the tools that we need in order to have and hold compassion, it wouldn't be necessary, you know, for both ourselves and for others. You you need it for both. Part of part of the first part of working through the trauma is to hold that for yourself, for the part of you that said, I can't deal with this right now. I I I don't know what to do with this energy. So I'm going to shove it away. I'm going to tear it apart from myself and I'm going to shove it in the dark and put it where I can't see it and let it live over there. And you don't realize that in the process, you've, you know, put two your two year old you in a closet somewhere. <laughs> you know, yeah. you didn't mean for that to happen. That wasn't your intention. But that's what happened. I had an experience, what was this four or five years ago? And I may have already talked about it on another episode where I, I, I had this feeling when I was out visiting my parents one day, that I wanted to go back to the house that I lived in as a small child. And I hadn't been back there for, man, it must have been over 20 years since I had even seen the place. So my husband and I drove there. And the minute I rounded the co- the corner and saw the house, I just burst into tears uncontrollably. And my husband's looking at me, are you okay? Do you want us to go? I'm like, no, 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 I don't want to go. Just give me a minute. And I walked across the street and I stood on the sidewalk and I looked at that house and five-year-old me was inside telling me why did you leave me here i'm so scared there's nobody here that i can talk to i don't know anybody here i feel alone i can't leave i didn't mean to do that that was certainly not my intention of leaving that child in that house but i had some really crappy stuff happen to me when i was five and i separated that part of myself And she's been waiting there Mm -hmm. for me. And I had to sit there and have that conversation of, I am so sorry. I didn't understand what I had done. I did not mean to. You know, I I love you. And I'm sorry that you had to go through the things that you went through. Here we are. We're still here. You're going to be okay. This is how we got through this. I had to invite that portion of me back in. And part of part of doing that work also involved eventually revisiting that situation, that crappy situation, and changing how I saw the the bigger picture of that situation, that whole scenario, and not just my side, but both sides of that. And holding compassion for the part of me that cleaved that that five year old little girl and left her in that house alone. And forgiving the individual that did something that I felt was unspeakable, but at the same time, learning that that 
event, those happenings were something that eventually led me to be the person that I am, that led me to be able to hold the amount of compassion that I can for individuals and that allowed me to be able to reach certain individuals with certain experiences in a way to help them make sense of their own situation. And if I step back and I look at all of that and I say, well, if that situation wouldn't have happened, then I have to look at all of the other things that would not have happened as a result of that, because that was a catalyst for many things to happen. Now, there's some things that I was like, wow, then this wouldn't have happened. This wouldn't have happened. This wouldn't have happened. And this wouldn't have happened. I could have been okay with that. But there was, there were more things that happened that I'm like, you know, I, I wouldn't have been okay if those things had not happened. That's something that I really admire about myself. That's a quality that I really love. That's something that, you know, that's a way of connecting with people that I enjoy connecting with people on that level. I enjoy being able to have those kind of deeper moments with individuals and help them see something differently, help them view a situation differently, help them see something in themselves that is different from what their beliefs may have been. I like that part of me and those things would not have been catalyzed without this event. So being able to go back and see that in a different light and bring those things forward in a way that are, you know, that, that hold a greater amount of healed space that equals a deeper amount of compassion for myself, for the other individuals involved, for other people who find themselves in situations like that. That's, that's a lot of, that's a lot of growth. And I appreciate that growth. And it takes it, you know, it's not easy. It takes a while to get there. But when you do get there, you appreciate it. I, I appreciate that whole process pretty much more than almost any other experience in my life because I can see what big of an impact it made overall and the kind of impact that it continues to make. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Well, I think that <clears throat> once we are open enough to accept the fact that things that we maybe up until this point felt should have never happened. Once we accept the fact that they did happen and we tiptoe towards looking at all the sides of the events that took place that, you know, we maybe wouldn't have chosen to participate in, but were rather forced to participate in. I think that that's when we stand a chance of healing from them because and it, if you're in resistance to something, it just perpetuates it, right? So here you are tiptoeing towards something that n in your mind should have never happened, but now you've found a place, a mental space that includes that event. And so the resistance is dissolved and suddenly you can see what good came out of it. And that's amazing because that's empowering. That's how you gain your power back from those situations. The longer you take to get there, the more those situations just have power over you. But once you admit that they happened and you realize that they really did form pieces of who you are, then you're able to use those pieces of who you are in a much more productive way. You're able to embrace them. You're able to love them. You're able to admit to yourself that these pieces, though perhaps the way that they came about 
should have never happened, it did happen. And now you can empower yourself to take those pieces and embrace them and use them for your own betterment. Instead of becoming something that you trip over, it becomes a solid foundation for your path in the future. Right. Instead, and that's the thing is that, you know, what once you were mired in and you couldn't get out of that, that held you back and, and was like a vice grip on your heart and kept you heavy, then becomes the foundation for a path that you walk to your own inner strength or out of your owner strength. That is transmutation at its finest. That's alchemy. Mm. Yeah. And that's what this is all for. We're alchemizing everything. Everything right now. Yeah, it's huge. It's freaking huge. And especially right now, at least for me, and I imagine that if I'm going through it, many are going through it. And like we said, every episode since it started, shadow season is here. Boy, is it here. And there's no there's no denying it. It, it, you can deny it if you want, but you're not actually accomplishing anything. You're just going to feel like crap. You're just stalling. You anyway, just press yeah. the pause button in your, in, in your if, evolution. Even if that, even if that, it, you're just making it louder. <laughs> you're or, amplifying yeah, it. You're amplifying it. Well, that's very true because it will just scream louder at you. The The more you don't yeah. want to hear, the more it's like, la, 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 la. Yep. Yep. Can you hear oh, me do now? You, do you feel uncomfortable? <laughs> oh, do we need to make you more uncomfortable? Oh, do we need to make you more uncomfortable? Well, we can do that too, you know? And that's your way of making sure that you're not shirking the work that you've agreed to. It really is you. It's not the universe coming in to punish you because you're being bad, because you're procrastinating, because you're being irresponsible. That's you making sure that you don't screw yourself by denying what you need to do. So if, if you ever have one of those days where you're tempted to say, can this day get any worse? Stop yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Go, I'm not going to say it. I understand that you are a very powerful creature. And yeah, it can because you are that powerful. <laughs> and the little genie inside you says, grant. <laughs> <laughs> Go forth and manifest your worst day. <laughs> um. So I had part of um, the experience of the last two weeks since we had our last podcast. Isn't it crazy has that it's been, been two weeks? Um, it really doesn't seem like it has. But it, it feels has. like, oh, it feels like so much longer. It feels like it's been three. I, I have been so mired in darkness and despair and and worry and fear. I It really feels like it's been much longer weeks for me. And at the same time, you would think that would give me a lot of fodder to discuss, but I'm I'm literally having a difficult time putting sen- sentences together, which is surprising me because I was really looking forward to recording it. I was like, yes, I've got so much to talk about. Oh my gosh, you guys, so much has happened. And every time I go to talk about it, I'm like, and I'm like, now, now we're going to have an issue. Why are we having an issue? But one of the things that happened was I had a really crazy dream and I should start to clue myself in more quickly that when I think a crazy dream is just a crazy dream, that's usually a sign to me that it was very meant to be not just a dream, like it's a message. But for some reason, I'm slow on the uptake with that one. And so I really did dismiss it as just a crazy dream. And in the dream, the part that I remember the most is that I was walking maybe like along a river or wash some somewhere in nature walking. Uh, and all of a sudden, these two owls came and they flew to me and 
they were trying to land on me, like cling to me, but they were flappy winged and and screeching. And so in the dream, I was like, what is, what is happening right now? I was so confused. I didn't know what to do. I don't have owl training. They don't seem to want to perch on my arm. I don't know what's happening. Are they trying to bite me or are they trying to hang on to me? Like I couldn't tell if, if the owls were there to be with me or to attack me. Do you want me to leave? Can we use English? I don't know what's happening. And there was a woman there with me who I didn't fully trust. I she I didn't have the the most faith in her. Let's put it that way. She seemed a little uh mm, a little sketchy. Yeah, well, not a sketchy shady. in a dark way. No, not shady. Um, like a kind of like a hippie mm. who's trying to get you to try something new that sounds disgusting, and you're like, mm. so something that would probably sound good to me, and I'd be like, okay, cool, I'll try that. Which you're like not down for. Um, well, I mean, the point is, is that she was very Professor Trelawney, you know. Where she might have a lot of knowledge, but you're not sure if you can trust it because she might not be all there. I don't know that reference. Harry Potter, Professor Trelawney. Which one is that? Emma Thompson. Oh, oh, is that what her name? I didn't know. Yeah. Not important. Anyway. And if it's not, I'm sure people will have no problem correcting me. Anyway. (laughs) Um. So she kind of had that vibe going for her. Like, clearly she knows stuff, but you're not sure if she's all together with it enough to actually guide you with her wisdom. Or if she's just going to get you in more trouble. And she's like, they want to be cradled like babies. And I was like, meanwhile, I have flappy flappy all over my body with these two owls. And I'm like, I don't really know how to cradle them like babies if they they don't stop biting me to try. And like, it was like they were trying to use their beaks to hang on to my clothing and, and their wings were beating on me. And I was like, this is the most unenjoyable thing. Um, and then later on in the dream, I don't know if this matters or not, but maybe it'll tie something in later. So I'll just throw it in. Uh, There were a whole bunch of different animals crawling into a hole in the ground. And the last one to go in was a snake. And when the snake went in, all the animals came running out. (laughs) They were like, snake, no. So I got the imagery. I understood what it meant. It was, you know, about shedding and transformation and how uh, all the animal parts were scared of that transformation. And the owls, of course, represented wisdom, whatever. Uh, but it didn't, I didn't think anything of the dream until my brother came in and told me he had had a crazy animal dream too, the same night. I was like, oh, that's kind of a weird coincidence, you know? And then two owls are on the card that I pulled today, which I thought was interesting. I do not see the owls. They're, they're I'll have to take a look. They're kind of They hidden. look like, they look like moth wings to me. Anyway, the point is, is that the next night, the next night I was awakened at three in the morning by the sound of two owls hooting outside my window. And the reason that is so weird is because I've lived in this house all my life and I have never heard owls here, not ever. And I woke up, it was so, it really was movie hooting. It was like, hoo, 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 hoo. And I was like, am I, am I awake? Am I alive? Is this really happening? Because I've never heard owls before. And then another one joined it and they were hooting over each other. And I was like, and but I knew I knew at that moment that okay that was them saying that was my team or my higher self whatever you want to call it saying hey that dream was significant yeah this energy is significant this is what you are you are transforming and you are doing a good job of it and you are pulling upon the wisdom that you've accrued through all those other times that you've been in this dark space and you're using that wisdom 
even if you're fumbling, even if you feel like you're, because I definitely have been fumbling. I have been like in tears, guys. I have been so in despair. I've been so, and I know like it's that gap between your heart and your head again, where your heart is in despair, but your logic mind is saying, you're okay. You're okay. You're learning. And this is exact. this is what you asked for. You have to understand that when you ask for change, the first thing you're going to meet on the po- on the road to that is discomfort and opposition and opposition. And yeah, you're going to be well. We're always we're always in resistance and opposition to discomfort. No one no one is like, yay, discomfort, be, my no, old friend. No. Nobody wants to be no, uncomfortable. No, absolutely not. One hundred percent. No, no. However, I understand the need for it. Yeah. And so w- during this process of abject terror. <laughs> I have sat in that fear. And so, but the owls coming in like hooting outside my window. I live in the city. I don't even live near hills. I live in the middle of a suburb that is very well developed, very crowded. Never heard an owl in my life in my neck of the woods, so to speak. And I have a dream about two owls wanting to be cradled like baby. And then I hear two owls outside my window at three in the morning. The witching hour? Are you kidding? <laughs> I was like, wow. Well done, you guides. That that is pretty undeniable. And I think that that I think that, that actually was a turning point in yeah. really coming out of that dark space. It was it was almost so ridiculously corny and so ridiculously coincidental. It was too ridiculous to be coincidental. And that 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 was enough to actually help me cradle myself in the belief that I'm doing okay, that right. I'm on the right right path. Yeah. Because I really was, I, I mean, the first thing that happens to me when I go into deep shadow is I'm like, oh my gosh, what have I done? That this can't be right because I feel so scared and everything feels like it's crashing in on me, just crashing. I can't possibly survive this amount of pressure. I felt like I was being extruded through a Play-Doh maker. Like, you know, those, the ones that Mm -hmm. had the little sliders and you you get to the spaghetti one and it was always really hard to press down and it long, Heather was being spaghettified. I was going into the black hole. (laughs) It was, it was not enjoyable and, and 10 out of 10 would not recommend, but 10 out of 10 guarantee you'll be there very soon. (laughs) Right. Coming to a person near you extruded through a black hole. <laughs> and what happens when you take something that used to be just one piece and you make it into many pieces and then you braid those pieces together? Grow stronger. You, you become much, much stronger. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're... I'm a, I'm a 25 strand, 20, 28 strand braid at this point. I'm, I'm a freaking suspension bridge at this point. I've been broken into pieces and and pushed and braided back to you know. <laughs> right <laughs> but it's it's the time for it and and we keep saying that but you know it's like if i if i step back again and kind of look at the you know what would what would the main kind of message be from my guides over the past you know four five six ten maybe even years and they continually show me taking pieces from various, you know, points on the timeline, from various dimensional space, from various, you know, stories, etc., and putting them all together. 
and integrating them and making them into something new and transforming that into whatever the next thing is going to be. And I've had, I've had a difficult time accepting it over the years, you know, accepting I'll have, what? Uh, that, that that's actually a thing that's, that's going to happen or that is happening. Mm-hmm. I would have moments of clarity where I'm like, I'm with you. Of course, of course, that's what's happening. And then, you know, days and weeks and months will pass by and I'm looking at it going, I don't know how all this shit's going to fit together. Are you kidding? It couldn't be more different. Mm-hmm. How? Mm-hmm. How does how does this coalesce? How how does this conveniently become woven back together and make something that is, you know, I'm I'm looking at looking at it from a standpoint of that's like you're 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 gonna tell me that like, you know, spaghetti and chocolate goes together or something, you know, that like <laughs> It's like, ew, I'm not putting that together. It's like, if you put that in a blender, I wouldn't drink it. But it starts to become more clear as you have more experience with those pieces and start to see like, okay, well, maybe they do all mesh together. Maybe they can come together and and have a unified voice. You know, most of the time I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't know how I'm supposed to take all of that and make a like a cohesive human being out of it. Like you want me to juggle this and this, how do those things, those things like naturally oppose each other. Like why, how, how, how is that supposed to work? And then mm-hmm. they show me a way that it works and I'm like, Oh, all right. Well, <laughs> well, and the sure, truth is, I guess the it could happen is, that way. <laughs> the truth is, is that everything has to come together. Nothing is separate. Everything goes together. It's just a question of how and when. Yeah. So, but but those doubts are going to come up. They come up for me. They come up for everybody, no matter how connected to your team you are, no matter how into the woo you are, those doubts come up. And what I usually do is I challenge myself to say, if you were telling someone this, if you were advising someone, what would you tell them that you wholeheartedly leave in the moment that you're not in the muck? Mm-hmm. And do you have the wherewithal to believe that for yourself? while you are in the muck. And yeah. I challenge myself to do that. I listen I listen to what I say on these podcasts. I listen to the talk I'm talking. And then I challenge myself to fucking walk it. Because what I'm here to do is when I go through this, I am going through this before someone else. And I want to go through it the best way I can, even if that's the shittiest way I can. <laughs> However I go through it is going to be the best way. But I'm challenging myself to go through it head on at this point. Whereas before, maybe I would have learned lessons in denial and learned lessons in procrastination or learned, le- you know, mm-hmm. there were other lessons to learn. Now the lesson, how straightforward can you make your journey through cycles of shadow so that when you are talking about it to other people, they not only feel like they're not alone, but they feel like someone else they they can trust has been through it and has risked what maybe as of yet they were too afraid to risk. And through that's that my you goal. Find hope. Yeah, and I mean, I sometimes sometimes there's no amount of hope that can help in a moment of darkness. Sometimes you just are are so down in it that you're like, well, I'll just have to trust you because right now I feel like the world is crashing. And I get that. But if I can come on here and talk to people about being in the muck and the mire and how that transformation is working for me and how I'm working through it, my only hope is is that it'll make it easier for them and quicker for them. 
that it will help them embrace it more quickly on their own behalf so that they don't have to spend months at a time spiraling. Yeah, truly. It's not always easy out there, y'all. We get it. Yeah. We totally get it. We get it. And and we know that we're, you know, we've we've seen a lot of shit in the last little while. Yeah. And there's definitely a lot of stuff out there that's that's challenging us. I, I'm like going through my head right now are at least four or five other topics that we've been talking about with each other lately that fit directly into this mm-hmm. that challenge your ideas about certain uh, structures and systems and programs and how you felt about it and what other things you can see in it now that they're being brought to you and maybe presented to you in a way that you hadn't had an opportunity to see before. And those those situations are going to keep coming. You know, I've, I've been delving a little more into like the astrological things again lately and, and paying a little closer attention as well. And just like we said in the last episode with all the retrogrades and the then full moon energy, now we're stepping into the new moon energy and, um, you know, we just kind of transitioned into Libra time, Libra season. And that's all about right at equinox. Right, right at equinox, equinox, which is about well, dawn, so, you yeah, know? it's like yeah. and a new moon, so mm-hmm. new beginnings, finding balance, um, you know, kind of getting a sense of justice or or feeling, and and justice doesn't necessarily mean I felt wrong and now something has happened to where like the previous decision was overturned. Sometimes mm-hmm. justice can mean I can see the bigger picture of why that particular determination came about. And even though I didn't feel like that was justice before, mm-hmm. now I see that it is because it's mm-hmm. allowing for a certain opportunity to take place that serves me better than if it had happened differently. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes we need a kick in the ass. Sometimes we need the tracks to shift at a very stark angle. Mm-hmm. And that always feels like an attack because yeah, we very much like to know where we're going. We very much like to know that our tracks are pointed north and we are headed there with maybe a slow curve. That's fine. We can handle that. We can see that. Suddenly, life comes along, shifts your tracks really sharply, and your whole train goes, I wasn't prepared. No, how can you be prepared for that? It feels like an attack. It feels awful. But I truly believe, even in my darkest moments, I can say this now, having just been there and I'm still there, which is why I'm unable to speak very coherently about it. I'm still in the muck and the mire. When I am out of the muck and the mire, I will probably come to you with vibrant energy that is like, you guys, I learned this and that, and now I do this, and my life is so great, and you're going to be annoyed by me because I'm so peppy. Right now, I'm in the muck and the mire, coming to you live from the muck and the mire. (laughs) And you can't prepare for that. It feels like an attack. It feels like a punishment. It is not a punishment. There is no such thing as punishment. The world, the universe, the external reality is just feedback loop. It's just a reflection of what you're going through. Where you are, where you've been, and where you need to go. Yeah. And And not being prepared means that you cannot use the things that have... That you told you yourself were tools that are not tools. They're coping mechanisms. You can't cope. When, when, when you get derailed, so to speak, you can't cope. And that's the point. 
the point is, is that you need to be abruptly um, pulled away from your coping mechanism because your coping mechanisms keep you stuck. So when you ask for change, the first thing that's going to happen likely is derailment in some form. Your coping mechanisms often tell you that either you or the situation is broken and that it needs to be fixed. And that is your first inclination is to dive in and fix it. And it's not Correct always it, get it something back. that needs to be fixed mm-hmm. or nor was it ever broken. It's mm-hmm. just a means to get you to a new place because it's not a place that you would have chosen to go on your own because you were not prepared to go there. Mm-hmm. <sighs> oh, shadow season. <laughs> oh, I love thee. I really do. I mean, I have a sort of kind of sadistic fondness for it now, which sometimes I, I have do to catch I'm not myself in it. because I'm like, look, that's not an invitation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not inviting you to turn my life upside down right now. <laughs> well, let's, I, but, I look at shadow. No, I look at shadow season like modern art. I can maybe appreciate it, but I don't want to hang it in my house. Stay I in the museum from afar. Yeah, <laughs> you're a very powerful piece, but I don't have Doesn't any mean I put desire down money to own you. No, nope, nor nope. do I have a place for you on my wall. So absolutely not. Absolutely not. <laughs> so go home with somebody else. Why don't you? Yeah. This felt like, you know, sometimes the episodes are going to be funny. Sometimes the episodes are going to be funny and, you know, quippy and cute. And sometimes they are going to be deeper conversations. And sometimes they're just going to be, you know, we have shit that we're going through and we want to, we just want to expose it and bring it out and talk about it and, you know, and hope that we're helping somebody at the same time that we're helping ourselves. And I think that's definitely mm-hmm. kind of what today has been is uh, kind of more of a therapy session, if you will. Well, that's all That's all I had in me. Um, I'm not, like I said, when you are in it, you don't necessarily have a full grasp on everything that you're learning until after yeah, you're out of it. Definitely. You need that contrast. And I'm still in the tunnel. I'm still in the extruder. I'm still being spaghettified. <laughs> You you are, but I I would like I would like to be able to say that I am very proud of you where I have for where I've seen you come from and for how you're handling it and for how you're walking through it. I I know that the things that are challenging you right now are big challenges for you, but you're doing great. Thanks. So I applaud you for the work that you are doing. And the amount Casey Jr. You know, and the amount of awareness that you're that you're pulling out of the you know ether while you're doing it, you're you're doing a good job of seeing it. Yeah. So I feel like I am too, and I can say that without any ego about it. I feel like I am. I feel like I have for the first time fully turned toward the challenge. Yeah. Like oh, I saw it coming a mile away. Literally just really saw it coming far off. And I saw the process start from the beginning, which was just intense, immense gratitude for where I was in my life and awakening or reawakening to all of the things that I have that make my life beautiful and complete and a increasing knowledge of where I would like to go next in order to feel complete in those realms, what I would like to give back to my life and add to my life. It, it was like um, planning what seeds you're going to plant in the next season. That's what it felt like. 
And I had multiple sessions with myself and my guides about that. And I knew, I knew by the way that I was feeling so at peace that this was just around the corner, that I was about to derail, that I was about to be presented with incredible challenges that were going to feel like an uphill climb if if on on a good day they feel like an uphill climb on a bad day they feel like they're going to crush me and i knew that that was coming knowing that it was coming as always did very little to alleviate the impact of it finally arriving <laughs> i i was still very impacted and very overwhelmed to the point where last week when I knew that we would have to record something, I was like, how am I going to, how am I going to pull myself into that space without being a, a, an utterly dark little cloud? I, I don't know. But then I heard my guides and my guides were like, you're fine. You're on track. You're on target. We know that this podcast is important to you and everything is planned around it. Now go into your life Regardless of what you have to do outside of this podcast, make this podcast your first priority. Don't use whatever comes up as an excuse or a story that tells you you can't fulfill your obligations to this project. Let that which you believe is your greatest passion be your first priority. And so that's what I did. And then things came up that challenged my ability to do that, just as they said it would. Like, for instance, guys, so it's not so ungrounded, um, my computer suddenly had, like, no memory, no storage left on it. And every time I went to do the art for an Instagram post, we post daily on Instagram, every time I went to do the art, I could barely get Photoshop to work. And it was getting all glitchy and crazy. And I was like, what happened? And I looked into it and I had, like, 20 gigs of storage left, which is the bare minimum for Photoshop to open and work. And I was like, and and it caused this ball of anxiety in my chest and in my stomach so strong. And then I had to work myself through those stories. I had to say, calm down. It's still working. You're just going to have to reduce your load. You may have to offload some stuff temporarily to alleviate the problem. And then a solution will come through. Do not let this do not let yourself spiral into the what ifs. Do not let yourself spiral into, oh, the, uh, what is something wrong with the computer? I can't buy a new computer. Oh my God. This, uh, you know, they were there, those stories, but I did not allow my, I had to discipline myself out of traveling those roads in the name of exploration because that's what we do. Those stories pop up and then we're like, oh my God, that scares me. I better explore ahead to try and mitigate any sharp turns that derail me further. That's the motivation, right? And I was like, no, absolutely not. No, you are not doing that. You are staying right here, right now, in this moment. In this moment, you're working on tomorrow's post. And you will go through the system that you have created to get that post to Jamie so she can post it on the account. This is what will happen. And several hours later, I had lived through several hours. Well, and, and you know, you came to me a little bit later and you talked to me about, like, what had happened and there was a fix and, and like, it was resolved and whatnot. But I'm also here on the other side going, you know, that's fine. If you have a glitch one day with your computer, it's not the end of the world. Like I can make right. a post. It won't look the and same. That, or we and can that post was also, it later. Or there's like, there's other options. Right. <laughs> and I'm not and, over and here going, was, you have to have the, I have no, to have and, it. But that's the thing. That's yeah. the thing with these stories is that they're unrealistic. There's yeah. never, there's usually no one over there going, how could you not do this? You're letting me down, blah, blah, blah. That's a story that like, you create okay. in your own head. I know. 
And I knew my logic brain absolutely 100% knew that. <laughs> 100% knew that. Yeah. But the fear stories in there are not related to the logic brain. Yeah. Not the at fear all. stories are related to something entirely different. It's a different beast. And so I had to acknowledge them fully and temper them with the logic. Mm-hmm. That's what the gap between your heart and your head is for. Mm-hmm. It's so that you can become conscious of where you need to temper yourself. And once you become conscious of where you need to temper yourself, that's where the gap starts to close in that area. And that's what healing is. Yeah. And that's what happened. And that was just one of many examples I could give that completely had me on the freak out train. And I'm still on it. I'm not I'm not deep in it like I was maybe a few days ago. I'm feeling relief and that's good, but it's still causing the fog. Sure. Sure. And that's I think that is also how we kind of know that we're on the right track is if there's still some of that remaining. It's just you letting you know, hey, we're we're doing all right, but we're still working on this. Like this is still a work in progress and we'll get there. But it it gives you something to kind of look at and go, okay, so I still feel anxious. I still have stress about this, but is it as stressful or do I feel as anxious as I did three days ago? No, there's been progress. And then you can see that progress and go, hey, well done you. Look how far you've come in just a few days. You're not out of it yet. Mm-hmm. But, you know, again, small wins, celebrate them because that's, you know, that's that's what's going to get you <laughs> to the other side of those things that seem like enormous hurdles in the moment. Well, that's literally the process of walking through shadow. Yeah. Yeah. That's that is that is the game. That is the long game and it is a long ass game <laughs> that repeats itself over and over. Over and over again. (laughs) But it's a good thing, I swear. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Do you see the time? Yep. We've done the thing. We have done the thing. We have done the thing. So our mission is to empower you. And if you have enjoyed the show, please like, comment, subscribe, and share. Help us appease the... Let me see if I can get this word. Algorithmic. No, I can't. Algorithmic? algorithmic i can't say the freaking word to save my life every time it's going to be a struggle but any anyway what she said (laughs) gods because it empowers us to empower (laughs) others and if you would like to stay up to date with our insights downloads and upcoming shows check us out on instagram by searching using our inside voice all one word and until next time this is jamie and this is heather and we are using our outside voice to say stay safe stay sovereign And we will see you next time.